the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Yeah, that's been a huge challenge for me. I'm still struggling very much with that because, you know, I mean, even answering the phone, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. I finally gave that up. I have support for all the cases. I mean, I actually am working actively on the cases. So, you know, we have a paralegal and an assistant. I can ask questions and get documents and see, you know, all that stuff. But I need to hire someone and that's where we are kind of are right now. I really need, I really actually feel I can multiply what I'm doing by like 10. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? How are you? We're very excited to have Tina Willis on today's show. Tina has been a member of the group for a while now. She has a longtime social media presence. A lot of people know her from her Google Plus days. She and Will Eady used to fight back then, and now they're back to fighting now. We're very excited to have her. I don't know if you know this or not, Tyson, but she graduated second in her law school class, so she's the smartest one of the bunch of the three of us. So, Tina, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you practice, what you do, and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, so I'm in Orlando, Florida, which, if you ask me, is the most competitive market for personal injury in the country, but I know a lot of people will disagree. No, I think it's, you know, a very competitive market, and so I spent years actually drafting documents for other lawyers because one of the things that's kind of quirky about me is that I really, I care a lot about lifestyle and health and fitness, and I really wanted from my early days practicing in big firms to find a way to not have so much stress as a lawyer. So I've, I've gone through a lot of stress trying to make that, <laughs> make that happen. But anyway, so I worked in big firms for a few years and then I transitioned into mostly writing for personal injury lawyers and wrongful death lawyers in, in their biggest cases. And at some point I realized they were making all the money. <laughs> And so that's when I decided to start my own practice. And I really did it with a little engine that could attitude and, and really a good bit of ignorance about the competition and what I was going to be up against. So I would say that really helps <laughs> if you don't know exactly what challenges you're going to face when you get started. But yeah, so I started probably around 2012 trying to generate my own cases while still drafting for other lawyers and stuff. It took 
quite a few very lean years. I stopped doing the drafting and just focused on, you know, learning as much as I could about SEO and marketing. And then it got into social media. And I also, as part of that process, decided to co-counsel every case with a firm I had worked, you know, worked with in the past drafting documents. And I thought, you know, this is going to be like the low stress way to go here. I've just got it all figured out. But lo and behold, it actually has been, you know, quite stressful trying to figure out how to how to kind of combine our efforts. But we've got a really good working system that works. You know, I treat every client really well and it, it that part goes well. But I do have a lot of struggles on my end in, in terms of the combination of the two firms. So that's kind of the very short version of a lot of stuff. Tina, walk us through your mindset as you decided to go out on your own. When did the light switch turn on and what did you do to prepare? Like I said, it was really just about, you know, seeing, you know, there was this kind of a male-dominated industry, but seeing that I would draft these complex documents, you know, really, you know, I got into this maritime case, it was just over the top. I mean, all these just jurisdictional arguments and just, just you know, like, I mean, I and I actually worked for a little while as a law professor, only for a short time in law school, I, and in, in this visiting professor role, I taught civil procedure. And so I was getting into like, you know, law school exam questions all the time type work. And then they settled that case for, you know, uh, multi, multi million dollars. And I had played, you know, a very key role in I don't even know how many motions and appeals and stuff that there was one appeal, but numerous complex motions. And so it was like, you know, this just <laughs> I get involved in big cases. But I just I mean, I just it was just financial. I, I wasn't charging enough, clearly. I really didn't have much of a business mindset. It was just lawyer. Um, that has completely shifted, not completely, you know, but uh, it's shifted a lot. But I don't know. I just I just decided that I wanted to do it. And that was going to kind of be one of my messages for people watching, for anyone who's, you know, just starting. I mean, most of the people watching aren't starting, but anyone who is just starting, you know, just having belief and faith that you can you can learn these, you know, and you can compete at whatever level you want, you just put the time in is would be my message. But I didn't really have much thought process. I mean, I don't know what your other question was. If I, you know, I, I really went into this with a lot of ignorance about business, marketing, <laughs> I mean, any of it. So, I mean, I don't have Tyson systems or any of that, but I have really keyed in on SEO. And I think I've, I've learned a lot about that. I'm still a total hack, but I, you know, I've had a lot of success in that way. And so, you know, I don't know, I'm just doing the best I can, kind of like all of us, except I'm not doing as well as when Tyson described his systems and everything like, oh, my God, Lord, if I only had those things. Listen, we're all struggling. It's it's a struggle for everyone. <laughs> so I, I get it. So I want to ask you something. You you faced a serious from a marketing standpoint, a serious change in technology or maybe not a change in technology, but maybe something that you thought was going to go one way the other way. And I'm talking about Google Plus, which you probably know I was going to ask you about that. So how did you deal with that? You thought Google Plus was going to be this big thing. I think a lot of people did. And it, it sort of fizzled out. It's still there, but it sort of fizzled out. How did you deal with that change? I mean, I did meet quite a few people and, and learn from uh, lawyers who are doing their own website SEO, because many of those, you know, some of the lawyers who are ranking best in the country were very active on Google Plus. And so I was thankfully able to befriend those people, you know, or at least observe what they were doing. So that was, you know, I don't think it was wasted time. I mean, I, you know, that's where I connected with Mitch. We actually had a show. We had Mitch on. 
So, I mean, I actually really prefer that platform. So that part was difficult too. I, I then came over to Facebook and um, started a community, but then decided social wasn't worth it and went, you know, went silent for, Jesus, I don't know, on and off, but, you know, like a year. Okay, there's a, there's a big disagreement right now. The people who I would consider to be the leading SEO minds like in the world disagree as to whether Google Plus is still helping in search. So my summary of that would be the, the guys who are into organic SEO believe that it's absolutely not. And it's a total waste of time to spend one second, even at hiring someone to spend time on Google Plus, which, you know, we could do would be a waste of time and money. But then there are some local experts, so local SEO experts, who believe that Google Plus is still helping in the rankings locally. A big problem I went through recently, probably over the last six months, was I had to convert my website to HTTPS from HTTP. And even though I hired developers to do that, I learned a lot myself to make sure, I mean, I'm very untrusting now when it comes to my website. I hired developers, but but learned a lot myself before hiring them to make sure they were doing it properly. Well, in the process of that, you lose all social shares. So social share counts and things like that. And that would include all of that work on Google+, which was one of my hesitations. But, um, you know, you read so much about SEO that is contradictory and you aren't really sure. You just have to learn, you know, which experts you maybe want to trust. But I have heard that... Perhaps if you um, sort of start back up that effort, eventually Google will make the connection between the previous social shares and how that happens. I, I don't know, but um, I still am contemplating some activity on Google Plus. And, you know, despite the naysayers and some people I recommend the most, I mean, respect the most in the world for SEO saying it has no value, I still you know, if, it would at least be worth for me putting an assistant on it, you know, doing some like what lawyers would do is just circle. I mean, not they had circles there, but they would share like you would get a list of lawyers who were your friends. They're sharing your stuff. You share their stuff. And it's just kind of like you could do it in that, that part of it in, in minutes per week. And I think that might actually be worth it for someone. It might be worth it may or may not. I don't think it'd be worth your time personally because no one's there. But, you know, so I don't know, but how I dealt with it, I mean, it was depressing. <laughs> so I thought Google Plus was going to be quite the thing, and it certainly fizzled out. Tina, tell us a little bit about your setup, about your firm, how you do intake, where your cases come from. Well, the majority of my cases come from the Internet. And, uh, you know, you felt really kind of like a total loser when um, when John Fisher was asking everyone, do your cases primarily from at the Max Law Conference, which, by the way, was incredible. And I hope to go every year. John Fisher was asking, do you get your cases mainly through the Internet or mainly through referrals? He may have some third category, like combination of both or something. But the answer for me is from the Internet. I am starting to slowly get more referrals from past clients. Yeah, for me, it's all about it's all about SEO. But then I started thinking about his question recently before the show. And it's like, well, maybe your Internet marketing is not like doing what it should do for you. I mean, I haven't been doing this for as many years as, say, John Fisher. So I went into it assuming I wouldn't get any lawyer referrals. I just assumed that and I didn't try to get them. I was just all about the Internet. 
And then my setup, intake is the biggest struggle for me right now, and I'm trying to set up systems for that. I have got, I have finally gotten someone, at first I answered all my own calls, because the deal was that I deal with my side of it. I deal with the intake, and then I get select projects on the cases, like I might go meet with an expert. I do try to attend depositions and mediations in our bigger cases, and then drafting motions and just discussing what we're going to do. And there aren't that many in personal injury. A lot of cases don't have any motion replies, but some do. We get involved in more complicated cases, in-depth cases. So I just sort of take my assignments, a really great working relationship with another female lawyer at this firm. And um, we're kind of, we just work really well together. So the systems for handling the cases are taken care of. It's just, I guess, the intake part of it. And I have had a big problem with um, referrals, actually, referrals to other lawyers when it's a case that for some reason we won't handle. And I got... I got really kind of, I, I, I referred out maybe like 50 cases two years ago, and I, I expect to get to one law firm that I feel was untrustworthy. But um, yeah, I've had some struggles with intakes and, and referrals, but you know, it, it can be a good problem to have. I mean, my business also went down when I did the conversion, but I've been now extremely busy and just kind of overwhelmed recently. So I need Tyson systems for my, in, I need some intake software is what I need. Because I just deal with them all. I, I, I'll only consider cases that seem to be very serious injuries or death. So I really try to avoid it if it's a soft tissue injury case. And um, But then once I get that type of person, I mean, I'm all over it. I'll spend as much time with them as they need on the phone, answer every single question, you know, follow up and do a little bit of sales, sort of aggressive. It used to be a real, in real estate sales. <laughs> so... I really believe in the follow-up with these big clients, you know, who may be hesitant to sign up. In fact, I just have a, I've had a whole bunch this week going on, but a, a big case, potential case. And then they were considering talking to a prior lawyer. So, and I talked to him a couple of times. And then when I found that out, I sent another email saying, Hey, here's, here's a little bit more about our background and um, plan to follow up again. And that kind of technique has worked really well for signing some nice cases. So, um, you know, I'm sort of just hacking around my, and I need more systems. We're actually just <laughs> also talking about a partnership. So, uh, I mean, talking seriously, as in we've kind of sort of agreed we need to do it, but, you know, how that should be structured and everything, a separate partnership. So, you know, it's been going well, but it's also, you know, going disastrously at the same time. <laughs> What do you enjoy the most about being a lawyer? And what do you think you're the best at about being a lawyer? Um, I think thinking of creative arguments and digging when, you know, at least I think digging when others might just, you know, might not dig as deeply either in legal research or in the facts, talking to the, to the client or talking to their witnesses. Like just yesterday was talking to one of our clients who, had a, you know, a, an injury that's going to lead to surgery, but after probably 30 minutes of talking, I mean, most lawyers would have probably realized this, but maybe not as early on. I mean, I realized there was a $23 million uh, work contract that he may very seriously may lose. I mean, most lawyers would have realized that, but just the way the conversation went, I wasn't totally sure, especially a high volume practice might not have realized that. But I mean, in terms of I don't do as much motion drafting anymore, and it's kind of sad because I, 
that's actually probably what I like the most. And I feel there's a lot of skill and, and creativity and things that are involved in that. And I wish I could be doing that. If I could just have someone else do all of the marketing as successfully, I would much rather do that. But um, right now, that's just, that's just not in the cards. So it's just not the way everything worked out. So, I mean, I do spend a considerable amount of time marketing. I spend a ton of time on that. So there's creativity involved in that, which I enjoy. There's some challenge involved in that, but it's not as enjoyable to me as what I kind of used to do. Well, I take it very seriously when I talk to them and and just uh, really try to explain the whole process, um, what's going to be involved, how they can get the higher value in their case. I mean, I, I signed up one client I probably spent four or five hours with. I think it was last week or so. It was a big case, but you know, so I, I really try, I take it very seriously to, to make them feel like we're going to answer their questions and deal with it and set things up, make sure we've got witnesses lined up or experts we might need and things like that. I take it, you know, to heart to really try to help the people. And one of the things that's most frustrating to me in the personal injury law world is how limited we are by the laws and by the way the insurance, you know, is structured. And a lot of people don't think about that, but it's just so... You know, I feel like the whole legal system in general is so unfair toward regular people. You know, I grew up poor and um, it's just, you know, when I worked in these big firms or the big corporations or the wealthy individuals who have them, we, we know this. I mean, you know, the ones who can really hire lawyers and then people who are hiring on contingency, you know, just can't get the help they need, can't get or they're dealt with in a volume way and stuff like that. And so I, that kind of pisses me off, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. You know, there's it's kind of built against us, and we know that that's that we were able to use the insurance companies as the boogeyman. But something you were talking about really struck with me was that just explaining things to clients. There is a distinct difference between the good PI lawyers and the bad PI lawyers, and I think the clients are smart enough to sense that. So I think that they, when they're talking to you, they know that you're one of the legit ones versus the the other hacks that they talk to. So I think that's good. But here, I'm not going to let you off the hook on something that okay. you said and hopefully i'm not putting you too much on the spot but it's oh, no. a problem that I, there's a problem that i think that most of us face when we refer out cases to to other attorneys and that is a significant revenue stream potentially for us so what are the issues specifically what are the problems that you're facing when it oh comes man to those referrals? and you know i wish you know geez if you could have someone you know speak about that next year at max law crime find someone who's really tricked that out and, and learned a good system. I'd like to talk to them. I, I actually am reading a book, that book on intake uh, that was shared in the community a while back. I'm almost at the end and it has a section on dealing with lawyer referrals, which thank, I just read this morning, in fact. So, hey, but for me, being, you know, it's just so cutthroat. The trust is a huge part of it because I'm not going to probably sue. I mean, you need to be on the contract. I trusted this particular lawyer to put me on the contract and that wasn't happening. I was, you know, I was kind of somewhat naive at the time about how, you know, I mean, I just never in a million years thought I couldn't trust another lawyer, any lawyer. And I just am here to tell you that is not the case. So, and in, I've had some other referrals out that, you know, I haven't heard back from in a while. And I know these cases obviously can take a, a while, but I think it's the standard that, other lawyers will not give you nice updates. They may even forget you came in on the case. If you do not, I mean, you really do need a system 
for keeping track on it, following up with it. And I know bigger firms do have, but even, you know, more established, smaller firms have that kind of follow-up system. But still, I mean, you better be on the contract. In Florida, it's required that you be on the contract, but that doesn't mean that the lawyer who I trusted to put me there is going to do it. So now I'm not, the, the biggest, the best answer I found is to work with an attorney you really trust. And, and you know, maybe I, I would say, talk to some friends about who, you know, who they would trust. But still, I mean, I worry about, you know, you just always worry that, I don't know. I mean, I'm not the type who's going to go sue. I mean, I might on a big case, but I don't know. It's tough. I haven't found it. The best solution is when I work with firms you trust and not have too you, many. Have you thought about signing it up on a contract with their name and information so you you have control of the contract and then hand it over? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I tried that for a while, but I was actually getting just so busy. The volume, there was just absolutely no way I could handle it. Uh, I was trying to refer out, you know, cases that weren't quite as serious and um, I mean, at that point, I was getting probably like, I don't know, 10 signable cases per week back when that was happening. And, you know, I'm just me. And I, you know, Tyson, that a lot of these cases, you know, there may be nice value. There may not. If they, And so how much time do you want to put into, you know, for, for a bigger case? Yeah. I mean, I actually get a good number of big, of potentially big cases. You just... You know, the slam dunk doesn't come along a whole lot. So you're saying, how much time, you know, do I want to invest in? Uh... And the other thing is you get them signed up. And then the other firm, for some reason, has a reason they don't they don't like it now. They don't want to take it or whatever. Now you're all buried in this case and needing to get out of it. And I don't like the idea of withdrawing. That was something I really did not want to do. I don't want to sign anyone up if I think there's a decent chance we're going to have to withdraw. So um, main, mainly because of you know, online reviews and things like that. So, I mean, you know, also sucks for the client, but I mean, you could explain that, but then, you know, they're going to be upset. So, I mean, I'm not sure there's an easy answer. If it's a big case. Yeah. If there's, if you had a really nice case and you're sending it to someone else, the other thing is, I mean, I have had a couple of nice med mal cases. Those are just so, you know, until they look at the medical records and stuff, you just have no idea. But, um, so I guess if, if, you know, if a semi-truck death case, clear liability comes along, <laughs> I would not refer that case out without freaking making sure you are sitting, you know, at the table with the, the contract and then keeping well, track Spinney, of it. We'll, we'll volunteer to help you with that case if you'd like, okay? Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right. So, Tina, first of all, I've never seen anyone who has a better system for referring out cases than John Fisher. I believe it's in his book, The Power of a System, but if it's not, you should definitely talk to John about the process. And it's, it is a very detailed, very well-documented process, and he's very careful with who he refers cases to. He would never get caught in a situation where some other law firm isn't living up to their end of the bargain. So uh, maybe we can get John to talk about that next year at the conference. I want to ask you a question that I think is going to distill some things that we've talked about already, and that is what kind of support do you have? I have the sneaky suspicion that you like to do a lot of the work and maybe don't like to let other people do some things that you might not necessarily need to be doing. And I say that as someone who has that similar uh, makeup. Yeah, that's been a huge challenge for me. I'm still struggling very much with that because, you know, I mean, even answering the phone, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And I finally gave that up. 
I had to, I mean, not long ago, actually, but I, in the beginning, I used to have my own phone. So I have support for all the cases. I mean, I actually am working actively on the cases. So, you know, we have a paralegal and an assistant. I can ask questions and get documents and see, you know, all of that stuff. But in terms of my side of it, other than answering the phone, nothing. And that is where another you know, big problem for me right now, I actually have tried training someone and then there was, you know, it's just kind of disaster. And um, a lot of what I do, so many different types of things. I do my work on the cases and then all the different marketing stuff. I mean, and then there's confidentiality with the marketing stuff. You know, I don't want to just train anyone. So it's, it's a huge challenge. I mean, I've, I've, Mitch helped me or encouraged me to look into virtual assistants, which I read this whole long thing a couple of weeks ago. And um, a lot of the negative sides of it, Jim, you hired someone and then you were just trying to figure out things for them to do. So, you know, that's not so great. And uh, it's just, I need to hire someone. And that's, that's, a, that's where we are kind of are right now. I really need, I mean, I feel like I could multiply kind of, I really actually feel I could multiply what I'm doing by like 10. Yeah. I need, I need help and I need to figure out what to let go of. And that's really difficult for me. I'm wondering if maybe the problem is, do you have a, a office manual or some sort of guide for whenever you bring in a new employee? Or if you if you do have that, or if you don't have that, I mean, is, is that maybe the problem whenever you bring on a new person? That is a problem. And I actually read, you know, on the VA stuff, you know, give them a long list of instructions and all that. I think, um, I think it was Tim Ferriss who wrote the four-hour work week who said he spent like 65 hours writing up all these you know, and Mitch, one of the key things he said was you got to take a step back to do these things. And I just am not in a place right now I can take a step back. So, Tina, you were talking to us about how a employee handbook seems overwhelming. And I was wondering if you remembered Tyson's presentation at the conference where he actually has this sort of nifty system for creating a system, sort of that drill down method that he talked about, the blocks and then the tasks. And I thought that was really a nice way of helping someone do it. And I know that an employee manual is a huge, scary burden. And luckily for me, my wife joined our firm and she knocked that out with Adela, my longtime office assistant. I'm not built for systems, but I, I think Tyson's right when he talks about at least if you could put a fence around everything that has to happen at Tina Willis Law, I think just doing that exercise before you give out any work to anybody else, just having that understanding of everything that has to get done would be very empowering. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it would, but you know, you did understand my list, and and I I think I said this. I mean, I'm listening. You know, I know we all we're all a work in progress. I'm considering it, but you know, when I went to the Max Law Conference, I was saying my list of things to do. My list of things to do was you know a thousand from the marketing standpoint, and and it was two thousand when I left. And so it's just, I already have so many things um, I've got, you know, we're working right now. Like, for example, I, I don't know if you guys were working on a kind of a lawyer link thing, which is one of the biggest challenges for lawyers is getting links. And so we spent a ton of time on that, you know, behind the scenes all the while, uh, you know, all this you know, casework and everything else. I mean, it's just I only accept now more serious injury and death cases. And I've had four signups this week. And spent a ton of time with those people. I mean, obviously, you're not going to drop that. It's just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going like a million miles an hour. I mean, I and, and I do so many different things. That's the biggest challenge. I mean, I need to. Clearly, I need to. 
one of the suggestions I really liked, I mean, his presentation was awesome, by the way. I mean, if it could be done, that's the way to, you know, if I could spend the time, that's the way to do it. But um, another thing I saw in all this stuff I was reading was to do screenshots, you know, so I do a lot of stuff online and doing screenshots to show this is exactly, you know, what I want and things. I mean, it, clearly it needs to be, it needs to be done. It's just that, you know, I do everything. I do everything for my own website. So I do backing up my website, updating plugins, do writing content, doing videos, the links, which is just horrible. And then the technical part of the website is, has been the worst for me. So I'm doing all kinds of things like that all the time. And they're just so different. Everything, you know, so it's, it's a challenge. So you know, I'm working. So you're, you, you like working on the website stuff, which sounds, which is good. I mean, like, I think I like working on website stuff too. And so you want to do that stuff. Now, when it comes to the legal stuff, like, give me an example of, of something that you know you shouldn't be doing from the legal standpoint that you can, you can offload onto someone else. Give me an example of what, what that might be. Well, other than what I've already offloaded. I mean, I, I mean, obviously I probably should let go a little bit of the, the intake process. I just really feel like that's an important, I mean, we're competing with such, you know, huge billboards and all that stuff. And if we're not giving them that, that careful treatment, you know, I just feel like that's, that's sort of key to keeping them. Are you doing all of the intake process? Like, what do you mean? What's, what, what are all the things that you were personally doing in the intake process? Well, like I said, I used to answer the calls, but now once it's at least been pre-screened, and it sounds like something that we really might want to take a closer look at. I mean, I go through everything. And I mean, one of the, you know, I don't even know. I've never watched another lawyer do a personal injury intake. So I need to come watch you, Tyson. But, um, you know, I actually literally get all their background medical and all that. And I mean, that's that something someone that, else could that's do. Absurd. That is absurd that you're doing that. You should <laughs> yeah. not be doing that. But here, here's what they care about. When they're talking to you. Sorry, Jimmy, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of jumping in here a lot. But here's the thing. When they, they want to get to know you and they want to know that you're okay, that you're trustworthy, once you've established that, I mean, I, I like to meet with our clients in person, but sometimes we're able to sign them up over the phone. Once you've gotten to that point. Well, that too. I do that too. I do that too. But go well, ahead. Once you've gotten to that point, you offload, you say, you know what, I'm going to put you in the hands of our client care specialist or our intake specialist, whatever you want to call them, and let them wrap it up. They're already done. They're, they got to know you. you you've served your purpose. Now get them to the right person because that intake okay. process is time consuming. Let me challenge you. I mean, okay. that it's probably right about, you know, in a, in a large percentage of cases, but like this case where the guy's maybe going to lose a $23 million contract. I'm really concerned that that would not be uncovered soon enough to realize how important that case may be without that digging. You know, I guess it comes from my background of the defense side where, you know, we're getting paid by the hour. And, you know, you're going to do all of that digging up front to say, hey, this is a this is a potentially a, you know, a very big case for us. I mean, it's like deep pockets on the other side. So I would just love if, you know, <laughs> anyway, so I mean, something like that, I'm worried will will fall through the cracks. But I mean, I guess if you had a system for make sure you I don't know, you just really have to trust, you know, the person you hired to, to, to dig into lost wages and contracts if they're self-employed and, you know, things like that. I'm just so worried that I just feel like there are some things that are uncovered. Like when I was actually answering the calls, I felt there was a benefit to that for sure, because there were cases that were declined by other law firms and a little bit of digging. Oh, this is a nice case. A lot of times I'd be in lost wages, but um, 
obviously we've asked enough to know that, I mean, for sure I could let go of the medical. I mean, I could still dig into the facts, you know, within a shorter conversation and let go of, I mean, I literally do your name, your address, your social security. I mean, that's kind of, that's crazy. I mean, I, I, my vision is to sort of bifurcate it. If I had someone, it'd be like, look, you ask them all this, whatever, then I'll read the form and see if I want to do any follow-up questions or anything. I mean, that would be my sweet spot, I think. You know, and another thing is that I've kind of not reinvested. I didn't want to reinvest because I feel this whole thing is just like high stakes gambling. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I'm getting now to where, I mean, I have reinvested some, but I've been very, very lean. Very, very. And I'm starting to break out of that. I, you know, I'm getting over that a little bit, but I think that depends too on the age you are when you start. Now, I'm a little bit older. I did a lot of investing in real estate too when I was first getting paid. And now I'm like, okay, this is actually going somewhere. I should maybe reinvest a little in what I'm doing. I mean, I'm, I'm not running a firm in the same way that you guys do. So, you know, people listening are, are maybe not, you know, are not going to have, you know, may not connect with everything I'm saying for sure. But um, I need to get up to speed, obviously, on more than just online marketing. So, I mean, I'm listening. I, I, I love the lawyer conference and See, and for me too, hiring someone would involve a bigger office space. I do have, you know, an actual office, but it's just a one person office with access to a nice conference room. I would have to actually, you know, I mean, we're talking, you know, a, a, a pretty major monthly investment from where I'm sitting. I mean, at least, I mean, you can have money in the bank and like, no, I can't spend it. <laughs> It'll all go away. So. My question to you is, where do you want to be three years from now? And how are you going to get there? Yeah, um, like in my biggest fantasy, I would just be working on the biggest cases from my RV somewhere on, in Colorado. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, that's one of the reasons. I, I mean, I'm, I would really like to just be doing, um, I mean, I want to be traveling and stuff. So I'm, I have a different goal. That's one of the things I see, you know, all the lawyers are so just, I mean, so driven. And I mean, I'm pretty driven too, you know, that competitive spirit, but it's like, you know, hey, I want to live too, and I want to be healthy and I want to enjoy my life. And I'm really struggling with those two things. So yeah. But if but real, if, Tina, yeah. Tina, if you're doing everything, you're not going to be able to travel at all. Yeah. Well, no, because I'm going to make so freaking much money. No, that's my dream, my fantasy. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, and, and actually, you know, I'm not, I don't need to have John Fisher or Mitch Jackson's bank account to be happy enough to be traveling around. But, um, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, I really do need to, um, and I'm working on it. I mean, we, I am working on, you know, developing systems. I need an assistant. Yeah. So, and I'm, and this firm I'm working with, I mean, they aren't just completely, I mean, I communicate with them regularly and we've talked about a partnership and some funding and, um, you know, joint funding and things like that. And we're, that's, you know, underway. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to do something. I can't, I can't do everything myself. I've, I've been a one woman show though. I have accomplished a lot alone, but it's not good. It's not good to, to be doing that. So you guys inspire me. Listen, I, I, there's so much more that I want to go into. I think that we need to have later down the road, a, a part two of this. I think there's okay. so much that we need to go into. But we got to wrap things up because I know we've got a long All time. All right. I appreciate it. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. I'd love to come back. And uh, as long as you guys don't hold my you know, feet to the fire and say, what have you done? Like, did you write no, your employee we, manual? We will. We absolutely will. We're <laughs> absolutely going to. 
No, so, and then I'm right. going to ask you if you did all these like, it's just like, you know, hey, do a YouTube channel. Do Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Well, let's do community marketing. I mean, you can only do so many, you know, things. And um, it's it's a challenge. It's a huge challenge. But, yeah, I'm I'm very open to part two, part three, and part whatever you want to do. I, I really, right. I think you guys are awesome. I want to once again say that the conference was great. And anyone who did not attend last year or this year missed a wonderful experience and I, I like I truly sincerely hope to go every year so I talked to Kent yesterday he has some ideas I'm sure Jimmy already knows which I'm not going to talk about which are I think are pretty freaking awesome for the next one so I think it's gonna be pretty cool all right so I want to remind everyone to go go to the Facebook group get involved Tina shares a lot of great information there about SEO and social and everything else there also go to iTunes and give us a five-star review if you will please Jimmy what is your hack of the week well, I did want to say about the Facebook group that, that I was very, really excited to see the joint video that Wayne Pollock and Tina made last week that just made my week. It was it was a real highlight. It made a lot of the work that we do both for the conference and for the podcast worthwhile. It really just cheered me up and made me happy. My hack of the week. So you might recall, Tyson, about a year ago that back then we were doing all of our contracts manually. That is that one of the attorneys in the office would meet with a client, they would then say, Jim, we need a contract. And when I got around to doing a contract, I would prepare a contract and then they would take it to the client and have them sign it or the client would take it with them. And so we've really been working on, we worked, uh, Kelsey Bratcher and I worked on a Google Slides sort of setup where we could automate a lot of it out of Infusionsoft, but we're sort of getting ready to take that to the next level. And we're using a program called PandaDoc and we're really excited about it. We've set up the contract template We've put in all the data for the different types of cases that we handle, and now we're going to be in that stage where clients can have the contract emailed to them directly. They can sign it on a phone or an iPad, and then once they sign that, that'll then send them a link to pay our legal fee and then to open up the new matter inside Clio. And then it also has the great capability of letting us know and reminding us who isn't, who hasn't signed their contract or how long it's been, and we can do automation through Infusionsoft because PandaDoc has a pretty robust API, which will allow us to automate follow-up for people who don't sign up or do sign up. So I'm pretty excited about it. We're just about ready to launch it. Pretty cool. All right, awesome. Tina, you know the routine. Do you have a hack for, or a tip or a hack for us? Yeah, I actually forgot about this part, but one of the, here's what I would say. You know, SEO is something that I've focused on a lot, and what I I've tried a lot to decide whether I think lawyers should do their own SEO or not. One of the things I disagree with Will Eady about is how difficult or hard or easy this might be. I, I've, for me, it's been extremely difficult and time consuming. So I can't say that lawyers should do their own. But I, what my hack and my tip would be that lawyers at least learn the basics. You know, read some articles on the basics of SEO if, if they don't know it already. To, so that they're at the point where they can at least evaluate. And I guess maybe most lawyers have figured that out, but where they can, you know, more carefully evaluate the work any SEO agency is doing for them. That's uh, the best well, that, I got right now. That's great advice. It, it's actually my partner um, at his old firm. They had an issue, and I won't mention the company names, but they hired one of the big companies for their SEO, and they weren't getting the results that they were paying for. I think they were paying six grand a month or something like that, something ridiculous. And they were like, we're just not getting the return on this. And so they, they hired another SEO company to see what the other one was doing and noticed that they weren't doing X, Y. Well, actually, we're probably doing A, B, and C, and then D through Z they weren't doing at all. So 
that's a good piece of advice. And that actually allowed them to get out of the contract, which otherwise would have been really hard to get out of. So if you're spending a bunch of money not getting the results, it may benefit you to spend a thousand bucks or so to have another company come in and look behind and see what's going on. So that's that's good advice, Tina. So my tip of the week is actually, we may have talked about this on the podcast before, but I want to reemphasize it. So after the conference, I've been getting some gifts and there have been some really cool ones and I'm not going to be able to mention all of them. But I got a, uh, from Krebs Law Firm, uh, actually it's uh, Jason Krebs. He had actually sent me um, a bottle of beer and I can't tell if he made the beer himself, but it was, it was branded with his, uh, with his label on it. I thought it was really, really cool. The tip is to personalize your gifts and, Another one is is a really cool one. It's by Parker Layerson. It's an accident handbook. Parker knows I want to write a book, and so he sort of sent this to me as inspiration to write the book. And then Christopher Nicolason, he sent me a bottle of uh, Fortaleza tequila because he knows I like that specific brand of tequila because he listens to our conversation. So just listen. if Before you send a referral gift to someone to thank them, Think about it a little bit before you send it, and and and, th- and that's going to go a long way. Because I mean, I get some really cool gifts, and I'm not going to mention them all again. But it's it's been pretty freaking awesome. So, anyways, that's our show for the week. Tina, thank you so much for coming on. You you were awesome. You're an awesome member of the group. Just thank you so much. Thank you. I've had a blast. I love you guys. So thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. See you, you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.